Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. No, what's important is these guys, okay? For the last couple of weeks, honestly, I'm going I'm to speak my mind for a second. For Honestly, uh, it's been hard. It really has. You lose four games in a row, and everybody wants to get you, you know, just get on you. And they've played their asses off. They have. They've played their asses off for everybody. They come out, and they show up. They work hard, all right? They don't complain, okay? They hear all this stuff, and they got to deal with it. I get that, and I respect them for that because they're resilient. They come back. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I didn't want anything to do with Carson. Well, guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking when we were at Indianapolis, okay? And that's what pisses me off, because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm done. Oh, Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera. Uh, we'll get to you in a second, but everybody else, hey, welcome to Brother From Another. It's not a show, it's an experience, it's a lifestyle. Very excited on this happy Friday, and we appreciate you for listening. You're listening on Sirius XM channel 85. You know what I say? That is the best channel you can listen to, and we're 35 slots down from the second best channel you can listen to, The Groove. I was listening this morning a little bit, back and forth between The Groove and Florio and, and, Florio and King this morning. That's right. That's proof that I was listening, because I usually say Florio and Sims, but on Friday, it's Florio and Peter King, and I was listening, but a uh, shout out to The Groove. Shout out to Florio, Sims, and Peter King. And shout out to you, whether you're watching on Peacock TV, watching on YouTube, listening on a podcast, we're happy to have you. And I'm just going to say to you, you can relate whether you are a football person or not. You can relate to what Ron Rivera is going through. Now, you heard him off the top, just really ranting a bit. He was unburdening himself. He's got a lot on his mind. I don't blame him. Team had a four-game losing streak. They won a very ugly football game last night in Chicago. Uh, set the sport back. I would say set the sport back 60 years, but it's only 30 because the, the sport was set back 30 years last Thursday between Broncos and Colts. So Bears commanders just took it back another 30 for a combined 60 years. Some really ugly football. So they win next win this game. He breaks a four game losing streak. He's got to talk about Carson Wentz. He told the truth, but he had to apologize for telling the truth earlier because he said the problem with the team is quarterback. It is among other things. And then he had to walk that back. Then the report came out. Don Van Nata Jr. And Seth Wickersham came out with a report on ESPN talking about wait for it. Daniel Snyder being a terrible owner. Wait for it. Daniel Snyder. uh, Other owners want him to sell. Other owners don't like him and Snyder's got dirt on them 
So he's going to keep his team. Why do I bring that up? Because Ron Rivera can rant all he wants. And I like him. I do. I do like him. But Ron, let me tell you, is bigger than you. I feel like Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Say it. It's not your fault. It's not your fault, Ron. It's not your fault. You work for Dan Snyder. And I guess in a sense, it is your fault because you took the job. One of 32, I understand. There are only so many positions in the National Football League if you're a head coach. The money is good. Uh, the prestige, the profile, everything that comes with uh, comes with being a head coach in the NFL is tremendous. However, there is a downside. There is a caveat. And when you work for the Washington Commanders, the truth is, once you walk through those doors, you're never the same again because you're working for that guy, Daniel Snyder. You're never the same again. And Burt Breer is going to be here uh, in a second. And, and Burt, Bert is probably going to remember some names that I've forgotten. Let me just say, Daniel Snyder has had a bad 21st century. He's old for the 21st century. Think about some of the coaches who have walked in there. Very good coaches who have walked through that facility and have coached that team. Borderline Hall of Fame coaches. Marty Schottenheimer, who should be in the Hall of Fame, is not. He was there one and done. Marty Schottenheimer, great. Didn't work for Marty Schottenheimer in Washington. Mike Shanahan, borderline Hall of Fame guy, two-time Super Bowl winner, walked through there with his son, Kyle, with Sean McVay as well on the staff. It did not work for him. He's out. Ron Rivera, you had a nice career in Carolina, got to the Super Bowl, 15-1. It ain't going to work for you either. Why? Because you work for the most toxic, least competent owner in the NFL, it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for the next guy. It's not going to work 10 years from now as long as Daniel Snyder's there. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. You can go ahead and rant. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get it out. I understand. I understand. Oh, bro. You probably going to get fired. I don't know. You probably get fired this year, next year. Uh, make sure, make sure those checks don't bounce. Snyder, I don't know. Make sure the checks don't bounce. That's all I can tell you. You're not gonna win many games either. All right, Bert Breer. Let's bring in Bert Breer. I know Bert. <laughs> Bert, uh, hey, Bert. That's quite I an introduction. You did miss some names there too. Hey, hey, tell me, tell me. I know, I knew you would. I have mean, well, it. Joe Gibbs uh, was me. there, who's like the Tom oh, Landry hey, okay. of Washington, right? How about that? Joe Gibbs left, revered. Joe Gibbs comes back, and it probably was part on Joe Gibbs too. You know, the game probably had passed him by, but it looked like Joe Gibbs came back and looked like Matt Rule. Yeah, like, what happened? What happened to well, Joe? Well, and then you mentioned McVeigh. You mentioned um, Kyle Shanahan being on Kyle, Mike Shanahan's yeah. staff. Matt Lafleur was also on that staff. Mike McDaniel oh. was always also on that staff. And then when Jay Gruden came in, Sean McVeigh was on uh -huh. that staff. He was succeeded on that staff by Kevin O'Connell, who's now doing a pretty okay. good job in Minnesota. <laughs> so, I, I hey, uh, don't go. I, I, don't I, would, go I would tell you just, uh, Mike. You know. Privately, all of those guys have their own takes on um, on on Snyder, and it's just interesting how they all line up. Like, like they all have the same take on the guy. So, um, and, 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 and same take. And you know what, Bert, you can relate to this. That's why I was saying off the top. No matter if you're in football or not, you can relate to a really dysfunctional workplace where people mm -hmm. and they'll come in. The people in charge, who are also the people responsible for the dysfunction. They'll have focus groups. 
They'll throw money at the problem. They'll have like these these uh, feedback boxes. Hey, hey, let us know. Let us know what you're thinking. All these things. They'll have, you know, food there at the office. And like none of that stuff matters. Really, the mm-hmm. bottom line is you. You're the problem. And until you remove yourself, none of this is going to get better. And I don't know if those guys have said that to you, but is is that essentially yeah. the problem? Is it? I mean, that, it's, am I oversimplifying? I mean. <clears throat> So much of being an NFL owner, I think, is like what happens when the crap hits the fan. You know what I mean? Like, because anybody can write the checks and shake hands and show up before the game on the field and be up in the owner's box for Jim Nance to talk about when things are going oh. well, right? When, right. When, when, when everything's going well, it's easy to be an NFL owner. It's when everything hits the fan where that's where we find out who these guys really are, when things aren't going well. And that's where we've seen the interference from Dan Snyder. That's where we saw him alienate Mike Shanahan. That's where we saw him fire Marty Schottenheimer. If you'll remember, Michael, that was to hire Steve Spurrier, <clears throat> which didn't work out. Um, and that's why people generally don't like, haven't liked working there. And that's why, honestly, like a lot of those guys that we just named are actively rooting against the commanders now, you know, like they (laughs) enjoy watching that team fail. And I mean, I could tell you, I I could, I could take you through some text messages that, you know, when, when, when there are bad moments for that franchise, there's a lot of laughter in other places and it's, yeah, it doesn't change. And so, I mean, unfortunately for, unfortunately for fans of that team, the one thing generally you can't change is the owner, right? Like the one, the one person who doesn't get fired based on performance is the owner. Now, you know, we'll see what happens here, but you know, clearly there was a lot of bad stuff. Um, you know, like that, that's happened. There's been a ton of bad stuff that's happened there beyond just the wins and losses over the last, I think it's 23 years. This is 23rd year in charge, 24th year in charge. 23 long years. I mean, there's been a lot of bad stuff that's happened beyond just, the wins and losses here. And, um, you know, I, Seth and Don obviously did a fantastic job reporting that story out. I, to me, like, and I, I just, I just got through it like over the last hour, like through the end of it. And to me, like maybe the most eye opening thing was there's a point or, like late in the story where they start talking about the stadium. Right. And I would, I would, I would bet you that 95% of, of Washington fans want that team back in DC. And they want that team on that RFK site. And how great would that be for the franchise? And how great would that be for the NFL to have a stadium, a brand new stadium in Washington, D.C.? Not in the suburbs, in Washington, D.C. And, like, there's an anecdote in the story where, you know, there are politicians in there on the record saying, we will not build a stadium in the, in the District of Columbia. We will not help you with land or anything else with a stadium in the District of Columbia unless the NFL releases the findings of the Wilkinson report. So hmm. you and I both know what owners are willing to do to, to get stadiums, how they'll bend over backwards right. politically to get stadiums, right? So what is in that report? We all think it's bad. What is in that report that would it's get worse. Dan Snyder to throw away the possibility yeah. of putting the team in the District of Columbia, That's right? right? That's like right. How bad right. is it? And he's like, no, I'm yeah. good. I don't need to be in D.C. I, I'm okay. I don't even need to de- leverage D.C. against Maryland and Virginia. Like, how bad is right. what's in that report in reality if he's willing to throw all that out to keep that report private? Yeah, you know it's awful. Whatever it is, it's, it's, it's more awful 
uh, than, than we can imagine. Do you think after all this, and I know you referenced it in your mailbag, do you think this buys Ron Rivera, we played his clip off the, off the top, his rant off the top. You think all this dysfunction buys him another year in Washington? Because I had him and yeah. uh, our producer, Gary Carter, who is a Commanders fan, and he has the proof. We got receipts on this. I said, look, uh, Rivera's going to get fired. I said, in alphabetical order, it's going to be rule first, then we'll have Rivera. Rule's already gone. <laughs> it's close to uh, alphabetical think, order. I do that in my head. Yeah, yeah, R, R, yeah R, H, R, I. R, H versus um, R, I, yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, do you think he buys it? He gets himself another year and watch You know, I I just like look at the the circumstances here, Michael, and you know, a huge part of why he was hired in the first place was to sort of clean up the image of the team. And the one reason they thought he was perfect for the job in the first place was because he had to be the face of the franchise through the Greg Hardy mess in Carolina and through the Jerry Richardson mess in Carolina. And so they felt like he was sort of ideally suited to be the sort of guy who could be the face of the franchise through a really tumultuous time. And that tumult started almost right away, right? Like, so they go through the nickname change, they go through the workplace conduct scandal and all this stuff has been a steady stream of stuff that's come out over the last two and a half years. That's basically indicted everybody in that building, everybody who was in that building before Ron Rivera got there. How much extra leeway, how much equity does that give Ron Ron Rivera that he's been willing to stand up there and take the heat for two and a half years for everyone who came before him in that franchise and things that he had nothing to do with, right? And mm -hmm. the fact that the owner hasn't had the stomach to talk publicly once about any of this, right? Like just doesn't have, let's call it what it is, like doesn't have the balls to get out there and stand up for what he did or stand up against what he was accused of and he's throwing a football coach out there to be in front of that. So, you know, I, I think based on what's happened on the field, he, Ron is certainly, and I love the guy, like he's certainly in that like area now where you would be talking about his job. Three straight years of backsliding, playoffs his first year in a really bad division, seven and 10 last, seven and 10 last year. And now, you know, like we look at where they're at at two and four. You know, I just, I, I sort of wonder if, everything that he's done for that franchise over the last two and a half years off the field buy, buys him an extra year. There would be an enormous pressure on him to go and get a quarterback, obviously, um, coming out of this year, assuming Carson Wentz doesn't turn it around, assuming the team doesn't turn it around. But, you know, I do think that there's at least some level of equity that, that, that Ron Rivera has with that franchise based on everything that he's had to put up with. Now, I want to steer the car uh, toward the functional part of the same division, and you got two teams playing. I've been looking mm -hmm. forward to this. You got the Cowboys with Cooper Rush taking on the Eagles of Jalen Hurts. What do you expect from this game? Uh, do you think it's going to be, uh, do you think it will continue to be close with the Cowboys the way they've been playing uh, yeah. with Cooper Rush? You know, I'm really big, Michael, and you've known me for a long time on like when we kill a guy, you got to give him credit, right? Like, and I think we killed Mike McCarthy a bunch over the last couple of years. Oh, take I, I think time he deserves here. a ton take of credit. Time. Huh? Come on, give I mean, him credit. Deserves, I love it. He deserves credit, right? Like they they had receiver injuries that they had to deal with coming into the year. No Michael Gallup, no James Washington. They lose their left tackle, their Hall of Fame left tackle, Tyron Smith. They've got to move a rookie over there and have that rookie ready to go and play left tackle for him. And then they lose their quarterback in the opener. 
And now you've got a guy who I believe had one career start. And like, since all of that happened, they lose the opener and then they come back and they win four straight with Cooper rush at quarterback. So it's a great story. Obviously they've got some really good players on top of that. Micah Parsons may be the best defensive player in football right now. Um, so it's, it's not all Mike. I do think there's some element of kind of working around some of their holes. They've, they've been really good at over the last couple of weeks and that Eagles team is pretty complete, very strong along the lines of scrimmage. Um, Jalen Hurts is playing at a high level. They've been able to run the ball really well. It looks like the AJ Brown move is working out for them. They've got guys in the back end of their defense making plays. Um, you know, guys like Darius Slay back there. I, I just like look at the strength of the Philadelphia team right now. The fact that this is at home, and I give them an edge, but I think it's going to be a close one. Like I think I think Dallas is playing with a lot of confidence right now, and they've obviously got some premium players in some key spots. And I think you have to give Mike McCarthy a ton of credit for for them being Thank four you. and one after everything they've been through. Yeah, Mike McCarthy just really gets uh, gets no love whatsoever. So I'm happy to hear you say that. And then we look at a, a team used to cover back in the day, the Cowboys. Uh, not just the Cowboys, 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 Eagles is a rivalry. Cowboys, mm -hmm. Giants used to be a big one. Not now you have the NFC East, not Washington, but the NFC East going back to those old school days where the division was really tight and yep. anybody who emerged, they felt like you felt like they earned it and then they were yep. a problem for the rest of the league because they came to that NFC East grinder. So you got the Giants, the surprising yep. Giants rebuilding and winning. Mm -hmm. Under Brian Dayball, taking on the Ravens. What do you see there? I'm I'm really excited about. I'm I'm excited for Dayball and the Giants. Yeah, and you know, I I think one of the great things about Dayball is he he kind of did it the hard way. You know, like he he was in different programs. And I think he learned a lot going through that. He had to wait his turn. Um, you know, I having called offenses in different places. You know, he called the offense in Kansas City and Miami for Alabama, and then for Buffalo. And I think getting to see the way so many different people did it led to like things like we saw on Sunday, you know, against the Packers yeah. where their top four receivers were down and they're like running like wildcat with Saquon Barkley at the goal line. They're running tight end, like end around at the goal line. So, you know, you see sort of this, and I think this is like sort of a hallmark of the best Patriots teams too. So I think in part it's from, you know, being from the Belichick saving tree where it's just whatever we have on the roster, we're going to use it, you know, and we're going to find a way to play. We're not going to shove someone's system down anybody's throat. We're going to play to the guys that we have up for whatever game it is. Um, and so that's a great credit to Dayball and the job he's done there. I think what's really interesting about this one is Lamar Jackson against Wink, Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale oh, yeah. got to see yeah. Lamar in practice every day for Lamar's first four years in the league. And so Lamar knows the holes in Wink's defense. Wink knows how to attack Lamar. And this is going to be fascinating because the Ravens offense is typically so difficult to prepare for, right? Because it's very different than what you see with the other 31 teams. Well, now you got a guy on the other side who knows it really, really well. And a quarterback who's playing at a high level. And so love what Dayball has done offensively, but you see, you know, an MVP candidate, a quarterback here and a defensive coach who knows him as well as anybody in the league. It's going to be fascinating. I think seeing those two go toe to toe, just sort of tactically, you know, and, and the counter punching that I think will go on in game in that one. And you know, Bert, when I say I'm happy for him, you know where I'm coming from. And I just want to give context to 
our, our viewers and listeners who may not know the backstory, you think about it in New England. They started off in New England. Dayball and Josh McDaniels both mm-hmm. got their careers. Their pro careers started with the Patriots, but the, the came from Michigan is, State together, didn't they? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. they did. Dayball yeah. was the first. He was the he was Bill Belichick's first coaching assistant. It's that position that a lot of people go. You have to go through that position to get some some credibility with Belichick. So everybody has done it. Everybody who somebody has been in that slot. And I'm talking about Dayball, Josh McDaniels, even Billy O'Brien was a coaching assistant. Matt hmm. Patricia, all these guys had that position, and then they go on to do what they're going to do. They either make it or not. But Dayball had it first. Dayball recommended McDaniels to Belichick. And that once McDaniels got there, McDaniels kind of passed him yep. uh, in, in the Patriots hierarchy. And so uh, I know he wanted to call plays a lot earlier than he did. Yep. You know, he wanted, it's, it's, and not that there's any, I'm not trying to bring up any uh, big time drama, but he wanted what Josh McDaniels had. Yeah in New England. He wasn't going to get it, so he had to go elsewhere. That's why he had to go on that journey. I'm just I'm just happy There's for a, him that I he mean, was able to ultimately get what he wanted. I mean, I don't know people, I don't know if people know the story, but I mean, the, the, the like one of the amazing twists of this story was, you know, in 2006 when Josh became the offensive coordinator and Dayball wanted to be moved to quarterbacks. He'd been the receivers coach there and done a really good job with guys like Deion Branch and David Givens and so he wants to be the he wants to be the quarterbacks coach because you know he feels like that's going to advance his career. Bill said no, um, because Bill believed right. that the quarterbacks coach and the coordinator should be the same guy. So like I want Josh doing both those jobs. I want Josh's hands on the quarterbacks. And you know Dayball had the had the stomach to leave, you know, and he went to work for Eric Mangini, which you know Oof. I'm sure that didn't Oof. go over all that well. Yeah, at the time. No, no, it didn't. Yeah, so so he goes to be the quarterbacks coach with the Jets and sort of steadily moves his, you know, makes his way up through the ranks. And, you know, I, I I think there is a lesson to be learned there. And that like, you look at like where Josh went and Josh is obviously brilliant offensively. Right. But like, maybe Josh doesn't fall on his face in Denver the way he did. If he wasn't such a rocket ship, you know, and now you look at like Dayball, who had to take a slower climb and got knocked down and had to dust himself off a few times they're probably great lessons that you learn going through it that way, you know, and then, and, 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 and that final step for him, by the way, like that's the Andy Reed program that he was learning from working with Sean McDermott, you know? So now we're talking about like one of the other great programs in the NFL that's produced a lot of good coaches, guys like Leslie Frazier and John Harbaugh and Ron Rivera. All these guys have come from that system and McDermott's part of that. So sort of like the last step for him coming, going from, college back to the pros was he goes from Nick Saban to Sean McDermott and kind of learns the Andy Reid system too and what does he do you know he gets to New York does he bring someone with Buffalo to be his op- from Buffalo to be his offensive coordinator no he hires Andy Reid's pass game coordinator Mike Kafka to be his offensive coordinator why because he thinks the right thing is to have sort of this cauldron of ideas in his building mm. and Wig Martindale another good example of it you know bringing in a guy yep from the Ravens who obviously was really good at his job, but Dayball didn't have a personal connection to. So I think it's always good to have alignment. You know what I mean? And we've seen a lot of coaches succeed doing it that way. I just think it's really interesting to see a guy like Dayball who has such varied experience going and plucking guys from different places like that. I think that's based on his own experience. Well, I'm going to tell you this last thing for you, brother, 
Uh, mm-hmm. The Giants. Just and, and Gary, if you could put that schedule up again, this is really and I, I never thought I we'd be in this position. You look at the Giants' schedule here. All right, so if they happen to win this game, I know it's a dangerous game to play. It's the NFL; anybody can beat you. I, I know. Yeah, it's like here we go. But if they're able to beat the Ravens, and you got the Jaguars and Seahawks, a bye, and you got the Texans and Lions after that. Like, Can we be talking about the, the nine and one Giants going into <laughs> I mean, Dallas come on. on Thanksgiving? Come on, come on! <laughs> I I had the I had the Giants all year at most with five wins. Yeah. Now, now they're not there yet. They haven't won five, but they're right there. I certainly didn't think uh, Bert they'd be four and one and haven't beaten the Titans. Uh, I, I didn't have them beating the Packers. So those are two surprising yeah. wins. And the other ones. I guess wouldn't be shocking, you know, being the being able to beat the Panthers and Bears. You know, but, uh, if they the Ravens, that's a big, that's a real big challenge. And if they can one. win that game, that that might turn their season in another and, direction and, that we didn't expect. You know, another thing I love about it too, like, and one of the things Dave has done a really good job of is just like it was frustrating for me watching Justin Fields last night, and I think Luke Getzey is going to do a good job with him. But just not using him as a runner and not getting him going with some of the RPO stuff and some of the stuff he did in college, like, and you're just like kind of like playing him back there and he's sitting in the pocket and he's a sitting duck. You look at that and then you look at like what Dayball is doing with Daniel Jones and moving the pocket and using him as a runner and what he's doing with Saquon Barkley, you know, who had been sort of left for dead. And it's these guys who have all this history with the Giants, right? And a lot of coaches would think, well, I'm going to come into this new place and I'm going to clean house. And all these guys have bad history. No, Dayball gave all those guys a clean slate. You know what I mean? Like Saquon, like we believe we can get more out of you. Daniel Jones, like, yeah, you got knocked down a couple of times. Let's build an offense that works for you. That's what I have so much respect for uh, when it comes to what's going on in New York is there were no preconceived notions. There was no, nobody's history in the place was used against them. And like if you look at like the individual players' talents, you see the systems were built to highlight those guys. Which, I mean, to me, that's coaching, right? Like that's what coaching is. So I, I, I think Dave is off to a great start. And it's more than just the record for me. All right, Bert, we always appreciate the time. I'll tell you this: uh, you know the Buckeyes are not playing this weekend, so nobody really has to deal with with our. I can't get a thirty Buckeye point tape. spread this weekend. There's no thirty point spread but, on the but, board for me this weekend. But I will say this. Uh, Michigan plays Penn State. You know who I'm rooting for? I'm rooting for Michigan. He's wanting the to be Wolverines. I want in. them. Get them yeah. up. Come on. I want them feeling yeah. good. I want them fat and happy. Come on into the horseshoe and the reckoning happens because it's hey, going to happen. They talk so much trash I, over a, a, a win, the first win in like 15 years. I mean, come on. It's snowing sideways. Our team has the flu. Now, I, I don't make excuses, so I, I won't go there, but I. Hey, you know, I think Marvin Harrison's going to have a little something for him. I think Emeka Ibuka is going to have something for him. Jackson will be back. Trey Beyond. It's going to be tough to deal with the Buckeyes on that Saturday, November. Yeah, I don't want a close game. I don't want a close game. I want, I'm no, I want a comfortable. I want, I want a comfortable fourth quarter. Yeah. I could even use like a remember me touchdown at the end. That's <laughs> yes, right. Right. Because Listen, I couldn't I'll go. Or maybe, or maybe one of the uh, because I couldn't go for three. I'll be singing hail to the victors this weekend. Hail to the victors, valiant. Hell yeah. Go Michigan this weekend.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Really weird, man. Pre-game, I've been doing that. Well, I've been in the league for years, man. I think they just cut the video, and obviously the internet don't take it around whatever they need to run with. But um, I've been doing the same ritual since I've been in the league. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys are probably contest to that. Um, but as far as the other video, I was actually talking to the coaches, and they cut that video in half as well. I was talking to the coaches about a missed coverage. So, um, you know. I don't pay no mind to it, man. It's honestly, I'm just trying to compete and do my job. Um, everything, uh, videos are getting it, but you can cut any video and make anything you want out of it. It's not up to me to be able to judge that. I know I'm a genuine team, a genuine team player. And, um, I never had a problem being with my teammates, and I'm um, gonna continue to do what I've been doing. All right, welcome back to the show. This is Russell Westbrook. I should say, Kurt Heelan, that is. Future six man Russell yes. Westbrook of the LA Lakers. Now he's talking about the viral video. He's there's a huddle. He's outside the huddle. I don't really I really want to focus on that. I really want to talk to you about the six man thing uh, and and how you think or or what do you think it will uh, produce for the Lakers? Tension, like lots of tension. Like, look, going going back to last year, Frank Vogel thought about this. Frank Vogel talked about, hey, maybe we should do this. Maybe we, you know, look, if Russell Westbrook wants the ball in his hands and wants to run the offense like he's still in Houston or he's still in Washington or whatever, the only, Oklahoma City, the only way we can do that, because I'm not taking the ball out of LeBron James' hands. This year they want to run more through Anthony Davis, who's not playing tonight. If you're going to do all that, the only way to really do it is sixth man, but Westbrook wanted no part of that. So now they're going to, Try, look, they're trying it out tonight. Darvin Ham is a, uh, let's just go with more forceful personality than Frank Vogel. He's not walking on eggshells. He's not walking on eggshells. But this is where a lot of people around the Lakers, and and by the way, I mean, fans have been screaming for this. A lot of people have wanted this. The question is simply, Michael, will Russell Westbrook embrace that role? All right, so... I think before we answer that question, and I think he probably will, if the team has success, I think he will really get into it. If his numbers, because I think his numbers are going to be there. Russell Wilson, uh, Russell Westbrook is going to get numbers. He just is. If he got yeah. the ball in his hand, he's going to get a, he's going to get boards. He's going to get assists. He's going to get a shot. He will get his shots. That's going to happen. Um, but I think what's so interesting about this, Kurt, is the announcement. Do you what do you what do you make of the announcement of it now that he's that he's coming off the bench? I think that's trying to uh, cut off what could be a, look. It's, it was going to it would have been nuts if suddenly he just wasn't announced with the starting five. This is a road game, by the way. This is not being played at the uh, at crypto.com, the crypt or whatever we're calling it this week. Staples. It's not being played there. And so that gives him a slight 
it can ease into it a little bit. But there would have been, if they just done it, the social media, NBA, Twitter buzz would have been insane. This way you head some of that off. You get us talking about it. You get people saying it. But you get Russell Westbrook to accept it. And you kind of need to, by the way, Russell Westbrook this preseason has kind of stunk, Michael. Like, he's shooting <laughs> below 40%. Like, it is everything that you didn't want from yeah. last season. So maybe right. him with the second unit, he feels more comfortable. Or you could do the, we're going to start him. He gets the four minutes, three minutes, yank him, and then throw him back in at eight or nine with the second unit. You know what I mean? Like, give him the yeah. official starters thing. But no courtesy. I don't, no courtesy I don't, start. Yeah, the courtesy. But the real question is, like, when you're closing games, is he going to be out there? And I think a lot of nights, Marvin Ham's going to play it by ear. It's like, no, I'd rather have I'd rather have Kendrick Nunn. You know, I if it's a good Lonnie Walker night, which you know you get sporadically, if you get the good Lonnie Walker night, like whatever it is, you might they might just roll with that as opposed to putting Westbrook out there because he has not, for all the right words he has said this preseason, his game has not looked sharp. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say the, the the brilliance to me of the announcement, and I don't know if this is intentional. Maybe I've just been around these these uh, NFL teams too long, and they're <laughs> always playing games. They're always manipulating yeah. the media to affect narratives and storylines. Oh, yeah. So I thought the Lakers brought this out now, so it wouldn't be a training camp storyline. Hey, the season's about to start. We're gonna throw it on. It's good. We're gonna throw it out there yeah. now because Darvin Ham and Westbrook have talked about this. But now, final preseason game, they're actually doing it. So it's like Westbrook's not a surprise to Westbrook. They've just kept it from us because I guess they didn't want us to. This is what I'm thinking. I could be totally wrong. Yeah. They didn't want us to make this the daily drumbeat of training camp. Oh, yeah. And by the way, the other thing that they are saying publicly and privately is hey, sixth preseason game, sixth starting lineup. We are throwing everything against this ball to see what sticks, which is what they should be doing in the preseason. So, like, I there is some of that. And I look, Westbrook might thrive. Again, I think this is probably the best role for him at this point in his career, where his skill set is. Come in. You don't need to be terribly efficient. Just go full-on Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford with the second unit, man. Just light it up. We'll give you a pick-and-roll partner. You can go out there and pick-and-pop with Thomas Bryant and have some fun with it. Just go. We'll see if that... You know, we'll see if that's what he accepts or or not. Right now, his preseason play hasn't added to the uh, he's just a contract trade value problem that they've got. He's a, he's an albatross. <laughs> that's what it yeah, is. Right. It's a it's a forty seven million albatross. dollar albatross. There it is. They're moving around trying to make it uh, make it pretty, trying to polish it up, but it's still. $47 million, uh, $47 million player that they'd yeah. rather not have, but they can't do anything about it. Let me ask yeah. you, uh, going to the Eastern Conference, I love your tears, uh, your tears oh, in the West, and it's a tough company. I like you're a tough grader, Kurt Heelan. Okay, we got tier one <laughs> in the West. You've got the Warriors and Clippers. That's it. See you later. We got two teams yeah. in the East. You got two teams. You got the Bucks. You got the Celtics, and I really like your your Celtics point because I don't know if it maybe is here or nationally. I kind of think that the Ime Udoka story, it was overplayed obviously when it happened. Like we couldn't stop yeah. talking about it. Everybody was talking about it. Now it's kind of underplayed. Like, okay, carry on. 
hey, you still got Jalen Brown, you still have Jason Tatum, and they went to the finals last year. I'm like, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, nobody else, nobody else was able to unlock those guys like Ime did, and he really got the whole yeah. team to buy in. Now he's gone, and they're just supposed to keep going. I mean, I, I think that's a, I think it's a huge story, and I'm glad to see you write that. W what do you think? Uh, what do you think will happen with the Joe Missoula Celtics? I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The biggest question for them is, does the culture that they built, does that, because they figured out who they were halfway through last year, right? Like, hey, by the way, we're going to trade Dennis Schroeder goodbye. Like, I hope you enjoyed your time. We're not giving you the ball again. We're moving on. And, and we're putting Robert Williams in with more minutes, and suddenly their defense not only is impressive, but their offense just flows better. Everything comes together. They look, look, the last half of last year, they were last since after the all-star break, they were the best team in basketball. And it showed as they, you know, at least reached the finals. Does that culture carry over? And especially without Robert Williams for the first couple months of the season, at least, or is there, that's where I think they, the question comes because I believed Udoka would have been able to pull them together. And I don't know if Joe Mazzula can, maybe he can't. Everybody speaks highly of him. They love him. Players love him. But Michael, it doesn't matter this point. I got a long list of coaches, players love that were pretty, pretty crappy as head coaches. Like it's just, it is not an easy job. And it's a different job than being an assistant. It's a different, very different job in the NBA. I don't know if he's up for it. I think we're going to find out. But I think they're I'm kind of more of the belief that. After once they figured out who they were, that they can get back to that regard with Missoula as coach, but they gotta they gotta show it a little bit. Yeah, and then you mentioned Milwaukee. I think we've talked about a lot of teams uh, this offseason. Uh, surprisingly, Milwaukee yeah. hasn't discussed nearly enough. What do you is it? Are you really are you banking on the return of health to? Uh, I mean, Middleton's return to health is that the key for you? And if you got those guys, if you got Giannis, you got Middleton. And you got Holiday the way they dreamed it up, then that core there is enough to win a championship. Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, and I think they look. They bring back Bobby Portis. They bring back a, a lot of the role players are still there. They've still got enough playoff depth uh, off the bench. And they get Joe Ingles might give them a mid-season bump. You know, yeah. we'll see how that's good, when that's he comes back. Yeah, so I mean that's a good roll of the dice by them because they don't need him in the regular season. But yes, the bottom line is if you've got Chris Middleton is an Olympian and a all NBA player. Drew Holiday is a defensive force up top and he just makes smart decisions and can knock down shots. And by the way, we have the best player walking the face of the earth. Like that gets you into contender status. Um, I, and, and the other advantage they have is they just, again, continuity. You know, the system they're playing, they know what they're doing. Same coach, you know, Mike Budenholzer, and I think that that I think the Warriors get that same kind of benefit. I don't know how seriously the Warriors or the Bucks really take the regular season at this point, but they're going to be contenders. They're going to be top four seeds and a, and a real threat, regardless once the playoffs roll around. Yeah, I mean, there's some really uh, some really intriguing teams uh, at, at the at, in the tier one, tier two category, yeah. and then the teams. I mean, Kurt, let's just get ready. Get ready for the bottom out. Like, this is we're going to see some of the best Ooh, basketball yeah. of our lives and the worst, the worst basketball, intentionally bad basketball <laughs> of our lives because everybody's trying to get that number, number one or number two pick. So yeah. 
I just wonder to what degree to what degree will these teams trying to lose? How, will they take? Yeah, uh, yeah, because because OKC remember OKC a couple years ago. They just bench you. Say, hey, horses, yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, man. Yeah, we'll still pay you. Um, could you not come to the arena for the second half of the year? Just go and work out. Do whatever you can. Just don't come. I wonder if if those bad teams first thunder uh, and I should I keep forgetting the Rockets too. The Rockets are so young. They'll be bad. I wonder yeah. what they'll do to in, to increase their lottery chances. Yeah, well, I think, hey, Shea Gilgis Alexander, how's your ankle feeling? Is, is, it, is it okay? You need some time. No, it's not There's okay. Be a lot of- let me, let me, don't answer that. <laughs> don't answer it. It's not. <laughs> right. I think you're going to get, I think you're going to get a lot of that. You're going to get, you know, hey, if Jalen Green really finds himself the second half of this year, this, it'll be the same thing. Nobody, Nobody's going to be pushing to get those wins. We're going to give the young guys a lot of leeway and a lot of rope, unless they start doing really well with it, and then we're going to pull that rope in. The other thing that's going to be really interesting to watch, Michael, is which team does what Portland did last year and does it earlier. So it goes because of injury or just because they're not as good as they thought they were. They decide by Christmas to pull the plug on this thing. And look, I think we've talked about this. Wemba Yamba was so good and he did it in Las Vegas and he raised his profile. And you know who saw those games? All the owners, man. Every owner saw that game and saw those performances. They watched them on TV if they weren't in Vegas. They've, they've seen it. And it's a lot easier to sell tanking when you can go to your owner and go, Scoot Henderson, Wemba Yamba, Let's just take, we're not going anywhere this year. Let's at least try to take our chances there. We might not get it, but let's roll the dice. And again, it's a, a deep deep draft with the Thompson twins and a bunch of other people. So like, I, I think it's going to be easier to sell that to ownership this year than most years. All right, which team? Here's my team. I'm going to put, uh, last thing I'll say to you, I got a team in mind that, that kind of fits what you're saying. A team thinks are going to be pretty good, not as good as they thought. See you later. Try to get the number one pick, the New York Knicks. How about that? The Knicks try to bring them in, excite their fan base. You see it? They're put. You got them as a play-in team, kind of anyway. So, what if they uh, their first 25, 30 games they got 11 wins? You know, not looking so good. 11 and 19. Ah, okay. What are we doing? Let's just move on. Yeah, you know what? I made you speechless, Kurt Heelan. I made you speechless. Now, I know it's some technical difficulties there in the Zoom era. I get it. Appreciate your time, my brother. BFA, not BST. That's an inside joke. BFA rolls on. We got to talk about my bets, uh, your money, too. We're going to get to that later in the show. I made you some money the last couple of weeks. All right, I made a reference to this early, earlier in the show. Uh, Thursday Night Football, last two weeks. I got to tell you, it's been tough. It's been tough. So here we are at the end of this Commanders-Bears game. And I'm telling you, the non-calls in the NFL have got to be dealt with. This is pass interference on Pettis, if I've ever seen it. The defender 
is bringing him down. It's a little too handsy, a little too handsy. Got your hands on my shoulder pads. If you, look, here's the problem. When you can't, if, if the receiver's last name is Pettis, and the de- defender has his hands on the on the jer- on the jersey where you can't even read the last name. Hey, officials, if I can't read his last name because hands are on his on his jersey on his back, that's pass interference. He was dragged down in the end zone. That's one. Here's two. Chicago Bears, don't you ever, 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 as long as you're in Chicago, as long as your nickname is Bears, as long as you're representing the Bears tradition, don't you ever, ever bring out those helmets again. Oh, they're horrible. Oh, they're so horrible. Who grew, who, 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 who approved this? Who, where, where was I for the green lighting meeting? I would have shut it down. Those are the ugliest helmets I've ever seen. Those are terrible. So you got bad officiating. You got bad helmets from Chicago. And the final score is 12 to 7. 12 to 7. And last week, we were blessed with the 12 to 9 game. 12 to 9 in overtime. Okay. So the last two weeks, the winners have scored 24 points over two weeks. I'm sorry. Hey, Amazon, when they say, hey, Bears Commanders, that's on your schedule. You're like, no, it's not. That's a deal breaker, baby. That's a deal breaker. We're not taking that. We're not taking that game. And you got, you got exactly what you thought you would get. Oh, that was horrible. Anyway, I got some good news for you. As you go into your weekend, it is time for my bets, your money. I'm telling you, I made you a little bit of money the last couple of weeks. What's my season record? Is it 13 and uh, what am I, 13 and 8? Something like that? 13 and 7. I think I'm 13 and 7. So I was 3 and 2 last week. Uh, had a, a, a really silly loss. I took Pittsburgh and the points. Pittsburgh is a lot worse than I thought. I'm sorry. Uh, I said Pittsburgh getting 14. That would be pretty good. That did not work out. But anyway, this week, uh, we got some good games. Jets at Packers. The Packers are a little shaky, people. Packers are a little shaky, and I believe in the J-E-T-S. If Fireman Ed retired from the job, I'm taking it over. Jets, Jets, Jets. Go with the Jets, seven and a half. All right, Vikings and Dolphins. The Dolphins are just in a bad way. Promising start to the season, but injuries to your top two quarterbacks. You're starting a third stringer against a surprising four and one Vikings team. I'm going to take the Vikings in that game. We talked about the Giants and the Ravens. Giants getting six. Nobody believes in the Giants, right? Nobody believes in the Giants. How are you going to learn? You got to learn the hard way. I'm not getting caught up in the emotion of it. I go by what I see. They are a competitive team. Not great, but competitive. Saquon Barkley's back. Go with the Giants. You're getting six. That's my pick of the week, as a matter of fact. I'm going to add that. That's the off script. That's my pick of the week. Giants Ravens. All right, Chiefs Bills. I love this game. I love it. I wish I didn't have to pick it, but it's interesting and you got to make some kind of pick, right? Uh, I think this is Chiefs Bills part one of two. These teams are most likely going to be in the AFC championship game. Give me the Chiefs. Touchdown Kansas City. I think Kansas City uh, wins this game. And I don't think 
it's gonna be all that close. I don't think it's gonna be all that close. Famous words. And then, this is my baby now. I got some teams now. I got some little side teams. I got some side teams here. The Cowboys getting six and a half. The disrespect is real. Getting six and a half against the Eagles. I just want to point out to everybody. I know it's not last year, 2022, not 21. I just want to point out. You know what the Cowboys record was last year against the NFC East? Was it two and four? No. Was it three and three? No. Was it five and one? No. Six and oh. Six and oh. The NFC East has something to prove. The Cowboys don't go with them boys. And I thank you. Thank you for hanging out. Brother from another on a football fun Friday. We will see you on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.